just trying to change the world here, people. Oh, really? The Facebooking and the tweeting and the Instagramming, all that would not exist without our understanding of science. So it's amazing that you do that as an insult. You mean true for you is different from true for anybody else? Have yeah, something to absolutely, because I can't think either got to be true or not. I can't, no, no. Welcome back to A Really Radio. This is show number 136, recorded Friday, December 16th, 2016, where we dismantle the current events for your edutainment through mostly rational conversations that make you go, oh, really? I'm your host, Andy Cowan, and I have my usual suspects, Fred Sims, Amber Besegger, David O'Connor, Steve Griffith, and Daniel Atherton. And I have a special usual suspect, Riz McCool. Welcome, Riz. You are actually our, you are our potpourri. This uh, this episode, um, such new designations. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get into into uh, what you're all about, uh, audience feedback from previous shows. Well, there wasn't any, so that means that you audience need to participate a little more with our participation in you. So please, when we make mistakes, and of course we will, and you know this is your opportunity to correct us. Don't make mistakes. You don't make mistakes? Well, we do. So if you find one, and you will, go ahead and, and pause the podcast if you're listening after the fact, or uh, jump, in the, uh, jump in the chat and actually yell at us during the show. That's available out at twitch.com. Uh, and send us a note at Podcast at gmail.com. Or there's a voice line, 470-222-6759. All right. So <clears throat> this is the interview time. Riz, would you please introduce yourself? Who the heck are you and why should we care? Well, uh, my name is Marissa McCool. I am from the central Pennsylvania area. Most of the time I just say Harrisburg, even though I'm not. But I'm a senior at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm a trans woman, and I just published a new book. I'm also the host of the Inciting Incident podcast. Excellent. So we have an author and a podcaster all rolled into one. That's fantastic. I have about seven more jobs, but, you know, those are the two that matter in this conversation. Well, who knows? Who knows? We we do tangent an awful lot into everything else. So Fantastic. Yeah, it's just one of those things. So uh, your book is The PC Lie, How American Voters Decided I Don't Matter. Tell us a, tell us a little bit about that book. Well... I've been very involved in activism this semester, especially since I happened to go to the same university that the orange clown we just elected president went to. So pretty much every day we've been dealing with some form of question or reporting or anything like that. And we were really a hotbed of not only protest, but um, hate pastors and people like that coming in to tell us why uh, feminism was going to destroy the fabric or something. And, (laughs) you know, there was one day about a month before the election where I saw one of these guys and he was not just protesting, but like verbally harassing children. I mean, I'm 31, so they all look like children, but I'm sitting here going, this guy is shaming people for things like having exposed shoulders or being a person or a woman who doesn't, you know, kneel in submission. And at first I just was like, oh, just ignore it. He'll go away. But then it's like, 
no, this is bullshit. This this guy is assaulting, verbally assaulting children. So I went back and got right in his face and kept taunting him the whole time. And I can't, that was the first time I ever came out in public because I let him talk to me. I let him tell, tell him how awful I was. And then I just went, oh, I'm transgender. Fuck you. And walked away. So that's really where I got started with the activism. And then right after the election, I just had so many feelings that have been wrapped up for obvious reasons. And about five or six days after the election, I just started typing this rant. Mm -hmm. And it went on for 30 pages. And I got the idea to write a book about everything that had happened in that small window of time. And I managed to finish it in nine days and then have a bunch of other writers participate, including two people on this show. And then I emailed Chris Cooley and told him what was happening and asked him to write the forward. And he was like, yeah, just send it over. So a bunch of things came together with great timing. And I, I really had an audience for this book. And there we are. That's amazing. So I'm I'm taking it that it's been well received so far. It, what what are your uh, if you don't mind discussing? What are your numbers looking like for uh, for distribution, etc., well, etc. Well, I don't have the number. It takes a while for Amazon numbers to update, so I don't have access to that information. But just selling through my own personal email for personally signed copies, I've already sold thirty, and I I ordered twenty because I thought that would be way too much for me to you know, personally send out, first of all, to Chris Cluey so he could sign them, but then to send them to people. And pretty much every day someone's been messaging me saying, I want a copy, and of course I want it signed by Chris Cluey. So it's exceeded my expectations for what those are worth. What? Now, um, Marissa, not everyone on this show is a sports ball nut, so not everyone may know who Chris Cluey is. So can you go into him a little bit and how you guys kind of linked up? Sure. Um, for those of you who don't know, Chris Cluey was a punter for the Minnesota Vikings, but he's more more well-known for being the NFL player that spoke up for same-sex marriage in Minnesota when that was uh, one of the initiatives that they were proposing. And his letter went viral, and it's one of the most fantastic things I've ever read. If you haven't read it, you should. And, you know, so he, he sort of got pushed out of the the NFL, maybe, maybe not, maybe not officially, but yeah, wink, nada, we all know. So he wrote a book called Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies and wrote a bunch of essays about nerd stuff and, you know, social justice. So one day, Andrew Torres, my attorney and, represent, you know, marketing rep, just emails me and says, do you want Chris Cluey on your show? <laughs> Is that a question? Are you kidding me? And it just so happened that the night he was available was also election night. So episode 67 of our show is us hanging out with Chris Cluey as this solemn depression starts to set in. <laughs> and at one point, we're just like, hey, Chris, uh, why should we be optimistic right now? Help us out. And then a couple days later, I emailed him, told him my idea, and he was totally cool with it. A few days later, he sent me his foreword, and I've got that plastered all over the front of the book. And he's, you know, willing to let me send stuff for people, you know, for him to sign for people. 
So it's it's been a very interesting experience and definitely one that was unexpected. That's really wonderful. So as to the uh, the other members of the panel that have actually contributed to the book, we have Amber and we have Fred. So guys, what did you what did you do for the uh, for the book? Amber, you want to go first? Um, sure. Um, I went ahead uh, a couple weeks ago when I when I read that statement on the air um, following Trump's election. I, I went ahead and submitted that, um, and um, I helped with uh, with some of the editing as well. Excellent, Fred. What did what did you contribute? Um, basically, the night of the election, I wrote. Um, a mini diatribe, I guess, regarding my feelings of what that end result actually meant for um, people in this country and, and how I felt about the people that were willing to cast that vote. And there were a lot of fuck yous and it, it was kind of raw. And, you know, I, I just kind of took the chance because honestly, um, how I even ran into the book was I noticed that it was something that um, Eli Bosnick of um, some of my favorite other podcasts fame uh, had contributed to. And so I just sent Marissa a, a message over Facebook and said, Hey, if I have, you know, something I wrote up and, and something a friend of mine wrote up, would you be interested in adding it to your book? And, you know, she was very receptive. We sent them over. I got it from Amber, sent it over. And the next thing I know, Amber and myself are both, you know, named on the cover of this amazing book. And, you know, thus far I've read the um, opening chapter and I'll probably be purchasing my copy in the next week and a half. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So so we, we wish you great success with your book. Uh, and it looks like it's well on its way to to. I'm not sure if there are charts for that genre. Well, there might be, especially especially come 2017. Um, yeah, number one Barnes and Noble bestseller for fuck you, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there may be a whole shelf for it, a whole end cap. Work on that, BNN. Okay, so uh, we've got I've got links out in the show notes for the uh, for where it is on Amazon and also your Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com, R-I-S-M-C, and uh, copies, if I don't know how open you are to it, I don't, I also don't know, honestly, how many people from my podcast are going to want, uh, going to want copies, but I know you're probably going to get at least a few from us. So that's at R-I-S-M-C-Writing at gmail.com. So I imagine put something in the show, in the, uh, in the header that, uh, hey, I want your book and I want it signed kind of thing. Yep, that's how I've been making it available uh, through me personally. I just have my own little PayPal business account, and I I can sell it just signed by me, or I can sell it um, to you signed by Chris Cluey as well. I just have to send it to California first. Wonderful. <clears throat> and uh, I've I've had the pleasure of reading the entire thing, and I highly recommend it as well. There's a lot of um, of very touching um, and very inspirational um, things in there. That's awesome. You, we need that in the wake of this past election. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. It's it it's a very cathartic and um a very uh it offers a lot of support, I think, for a lot of the 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 people who are going to be mainly hurting mm -hmm. after uh, after what happened. So it's definitely a force of good in the world, and I highly recommend it. 
Well, we definitely need more Thank empathy. A lot more empathy. Thank you so much, Amber. You're very welcome. So now on to something that's near and dear to my personal heart, and that would be podcasting. So <laughs> you you are host of the Inciting Incident podcast. I've got links, of course, also to that in the show notes as well. You can find those out at our website at oreallyradio.com for show 136. So tell us a little bit about um, – well, I, I've got uh, the little byline here. The SJW podcast, YouTube Atheism, warned you about intellectual but accessible, skeptical but personable, and calm and collected, unless you really piss us off. <laughs> yep. So, so yeah. yeah. Tell us tell us more about that. How, how did all this get started? Um, it, it honestly started first as a film podcast because the uh, cinema department had a website at my university – and I offered this audition idea I had, which was uh, my roommate and I sort of going through films as tropes and dissecting them in that way. Because I figure if I'm spending three grand a class to be at this school, I might as well put it to some use. Absolutely. And yeah, so, you know, the, it didn't really catch with many people right away. But then when people started asking our political opinions and how we felt about social justice issues we saw exponential increase in interest and we just sort of for a while we were trying to do both you know friday would be the serious episode sunday would be our cinema episode and the the people who kept coming on the show were far more interested in talking about social issues and serious things and most of the guests that i had come on in the early going are some very well known podcasters like tom thomas smith uh Cognitive Dissonance, and The Atheist Nomads. Uh, I had Eli Bosnick on on episode number 50. Um, so, so I had a wide variety of interesting guests, and I felt like we were really pigeonholing ourselves by talking about something that we liked, but we weren't really saying anything. Mm. So, you, you know, if you went back through the archives of our show, besides hearing our terrible learning to audio issues, we, um, <laughs> we interview a an incredibly wide variety of people and almost no interview is even similar, let alone the same. And, you know, we, I just feel like we have an incredible variety of people we've had on the show. I even got to interview Noam Chomsky for the show. So, I mean, really somebody's paying attention to us. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's impressive. I I'm actually feeling outclassed. How dare you, how dare you slum it with us? I definitely think I didn't get him to come on the show audio, but he was willing to let me send him questions and he answered them. And we turned that into sort of a, a panel discussion. So I would read uh, Brian and Astrid the questions that I asked him. We would discuss what we thought about them. And, then, and I would give, well, here's what Noam Chomsky says. But still, the fact that he responded to some random girl from the same school that he went to was pretty cool. That's excellent, and that's not a bad way to engage somebody that is uh, major league. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm, I may actually have to do the same thing with Lawrence Krauss because he's not returning my calls. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried once; it didn't work out so well. So, <clears throat> uh, so let's see. So we can find uh, find you out. You've got another Patreon for just the inciting incident. Patreon.com slash inciting incident. The Facebook is Facebook.com inciting incident podcast. And the podcast is stored out on inciting incident dot libsyn dot com. L I B S Y N dot com. So 
Fantastic. You know, it, it's been really great having you on. So it, do you have any, um, what's coming up for your show? How many, how many episodes do you have in the can and, and where are you taking it now? Cause we're about, we're about to wrap up, you know, the horrible, horrible year that is 2016. And, uh, we're, we're hoping for some hope. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing for me is 2016, other than the election results, has been a really, really great year, so I kind of feel bad. But... I'm glad to hear it. No, I'm glad to hear it. That's great. <laughs> but uh, we just released our 71st episode with uh, Ari Stillsman and Jeremiah Traeger, and we're definitely booking some interesting guests to, to continue that trend that we have. Sometimes we have people here in the studio uh, or we'll call them like this, but I know Eli's coming back. Um, Chris Cluey's probably coming back. Um, Andrew Torres, like I said, represents me, and he'll come back. So we're just looking at reaching out more and trying to get conversations started that people don't want to have. And I'm willing to do that about just about anything, just because there's so many different things that people have designated inappropriate to talk about or too uncomfortable to talk about. And that's really what our show is. We, we had an episode about suicide because there's a terrible suicide epidemic at my university. And you know, part of it is just getting over that stigma and talking about it in the first place. And I had a, a suicide motivational speaker come on, on episode 30. So we're really willing to talk about anything. And the goal is not to necessarily agree. It's just to get to a point where we can talk about it Without throwing feces at each other. <laughs> you don't want to throw, fling poo? Oh, come on. No, I'm I kidding. didn't say I didn't want to. I oh, said we well. got to the point where we did. There's well, you know, we don't judge. We don't judge. So. <laughs> of course not. You might so, be German listeners. Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Maybe some. Maybe. <laughs> Guys, do you have any questions? Actually, I have well, a I question just, of... Other than Daniel just sitting down and having no idea where we are in the show, other than we just completed the interview, basically. <laughs> okay. I was thinking of <laughs> uh, the, the experience you had of, say, rage coming out. Um, after, after that, what, did you, what was your experience on campus? How were you treated? Because let's be honest, not many people here have the chance to actually interact directly with someone, of, someone who is trans. So I'd like to our audience members to know what, what that experience was like for you and what things have happened because of it. Well, first of all, I'll make it really clear. I am an exception. I am someone who walked into a situation of being public with an incredible groundswell of support. And that's the biggest reason that I am speaking out so loud is because I know so many people like me cannot. Um, I'm definitely not that feminine looking, although if you saw side by side from when I started hormones to now, you'd notice a major difference. But I'm six foot three and I'm a former professional wrestler. I stand out. So the experience on campus has been interesting to say the least. And most of the students that I have in class, you know, that, that have class with me, I sent them all emails that was, you know, please call me Marissa from now on and they pretty much went okay uh the university was willing to change my name on my school id and in all my documents so that part of it's been very supportive but even at super liberal ivy league bubble i still get a lot of strange looks and i definitely have to deal with concerns of well can i use that bathroom without anybody bothering me 
You know, I, I go to school and, you know, dress, make up the whole bit, be- partially because I want to be visible about this because your question is right on. A lot of people who have opinions about transgender people get them from when they're movie villains and nothing else. Or comic or, relief. Or Fox News tropes, yeah. Yeah. Or memes. Or sometimes the same at the same yeah. time. Oh, well, yeah, all <laughs> the conservative same memes. <laughs> all trans women are Lois Einhorn. It's hilarious. Oh. Yeah, we still have a long way to go, even with Hollywood's depiction of anyone in the LGBTQI, uh, you know, any spectrum other than just cis. It's like, let's make them the comic relief every time. No, they're never, ever going to actually end up happy with somebody. No, it's always going to be a tragic love story every time. Yep, so. because all trans women are trying to do is sneak penises into the bathroom, like Kylie Wright says, and all we really serve for is, ha that girl had a penis. It was hilarious, you guys. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No. So definitely, we need. We certainly need more positive awareness out there. So, if I may, add one more thing. What would you, yeah. for anyone who is in that situation where they can't just come out and they, but they really want to, and the the environment that we have right now, what advice would you give to them? I'd say, don't push yourself. Don't feel like you have to do anything to be valid. You are not under anyone else's timeline, under anyone else's circumstances. You are you, and whether you get surgery, whether you transition, whether you take hormones, is nobody else's business but yours and who you decide to share that with. The closet feels protected, but the first person you have to stop lying to is yourself. And take it from someone who spent a lot of their life not knowing that it was even an option. I just thought I was a drag queen because that's literally all I knew. And it led to many years of confusion and trying to figure out why I was different from everybody else, why I didn't think the same way, why I didn't feel the things that people thought someone like me should. And even after I first started to come out two years ago, I was unfortunately sexually assaulted just as I was starting to get to the point where I was being comfortable in public. And that pushed me back for a year and a half on the progress. But that's okay. It's all okay. You don't have to justify how you identify to anybody whatsoever. That is your choice to make. That is your decision to go when you're comfortable. You don't owe anybody anything. So you open that closet door when and if you want to, not before and not because someone else thinks you should. When you're ready to kick it down and proclaim to the world who you truly are, you'll be be ready for it. It'll be the most amazing thing you ever feel, but it'll also be terrifying. And there's nothing I can say to tell you not to be, but I would much rather be terrified and honest with myself and the people I love than be hiding back there just watching people know that I cannot be who they know I am. That's good. I have uh, I have one question, and it's it's a question for people that don't know what the hell we're talking about. And that is, 
what's a what's an SJW? <laughs> we know. But I have never had a better opportunity to have it really laid out by who this actually serves. I know. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, no pressure. (laughs) Do you want the real answer or do you want the answer of people on Reddit columns think? (laughs) I don't think, well, yeah, I guess we could do both. It's like, but that would be for the good idea, bad idea segment, wouldn't it? (laughs) Um, Again, um, let's be real. On a line of truth, we might as well stick with it. Let, let's let's be real. What is an SJW, a social justice warrior? What does that mean? Or what is it supposed to mean? <laughs> Sorry, the, the headphones came off. No problem. Um, Basically, what is it? What is it supposed to mean? Because obviously the narrative is going to be hijacked by those with their own agenda. But what what does it really mean? Well, it was honestly something that was hijacked and a lot of us sort of just own. Um, SJW, Social Justice Warrior, was used to describe somebody who seemed to fight over little things, like calling somebody a word or, you know, uh, being an offended, safe space, loving millennial. And a lot of us who actually believe in some of those quote unquote boutique issues started saying, you're, ca- you're saying we fight for social justice as a bad, bad thing? Well, hell with you. We're just going to own it. My definition of a social justice warrior is someone who wants to fight for marginalized people and try to make the world a better place for us many people as they can. And I'm not really sure why that's so negative, except for the fact that people want an excuse to be shitty to each other and don't like being called out on it. I think you hit the nail on the head there on, on both cases, because that is exactly what I thought it was. So I'm glad to have that justified. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, definitely, um, I've I've never understood also why someone being called a progressive is a bad thing. I've never understand why being a liberal was a bad thing. You know, a lot, they, I, a lot of it is the people who actually fit those labels not sticking up for them. You know, yeah. Rush Limbaugh and that whole crowd have made liberal a slur, and a lot of liberals have gone, "Yeah, I guess that is kind of true," but I don't want to be as bad as the mean bully man, or I'll be just as bad, which is bullshit. You know, speak yeah, up yeah. for yourself, own it, be it. You know, you we, are a liberal. That's not but, a slur. Yeah, the, I think <laughs> part of the core problem there is um, uh, liberals have allowed uh, conservatives to own that conversation and really define what both terms mean rather than sticking up for themselves and saying that's not what that means. Well, this course has turned into yelling. Yeah, well, (laughs) sometimes you got to yell back. Yeah. And I think I think honestly, that's what how I would would define the social justice warrior aspect for myself um, is that those are the people that are living under those supposedly bad labels of liberal or progressive, and they are no longer 
not yelling back. They are trying to dictate the conversation. The people that are being called bigots because they're calling bigots out on their shit. And and that's kind of where that comes from is, you know, like like Riss said, the, the people that are adopting it and saying, you know what, I am fighting for social justice. I'm going to fight for these people and I'm not going to let you live behind a veil, you know, where you pretend to be a good person. And yet you can cast a vote for a monster like Trump and pretend that that makes you OK. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's owning the, being called, you know, a, a, a coastal educated liberal elitist and going, yeah, and what are you going to do about it? Or, oh, yeah. Why is it a bad thing? <laughs> I thought elitism me, but... is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I get, I've been called an elitist more times than I care to explain just simply for the fact that I wear stuff with the school I go to on it. And that's wow. when people in this state don't know the when they actually do know the difference between us and Penn State. You know, they're the ones with the popular football team. We're the one who just had the president elected. But yeah, I, I, I walk around in my Penn stuff all the time around here because I work for the football team, so I have a ton of it. And, you know, just be like, oh, someone thinks they're special Ivy League elitist. Like, yeah, how dare I show off the fact that I got into a school with a 6% acceptance rate and, elect, you know, has alumni and a lot of people who are really smart. That's so dumb. I should just put on the, the, the shirt of the school with the molester guy and the people begging about football wins that didn't matter because he was letting – Someone touch kids. Let's, yeah, Penn State, yay. <laughs> it's, it is a ridiculous amount of anti-intellectualism. Yeah, you know, they, they want us to feel bad because we're smart. Well, or, again, smarter, or smarter than they perceive themselves. Anti-intellectualism has been a fight that has gone on for, I think, since civilization's been around. Yeah, jocks versus uh, nerds, you know, yeah. Well, the again, one that was doing I, the cave paintings and the one that was hitting things with a rock, you know, the, well, all the way back then. It, it goes all the way back to Socrates, really. Um, but no, it, it's I drank what it's again. <laughs> there, there were people who didn't like the idea of a learned man. Yeah, um, there there are people I mean, and hell, it, just looking at the legacy of our nation and learned individuals of any minority being labeled a threat. Frederick Douglass, mm -hmm. a threat. Susan B. Anthony, a threat. Yeah. Okay, the, the, these are historical figures that we laud now, but in their heyday it, were... I would say that most of us laud them, but unfortunately well, we still have... The people that are wrapping themselves not in the American flag, but in the Confederate flag, <laughs> that oh. are that are still insisting that no, that's wrong. We I, we I got to bring up that repeal the nineteenth was trending this year. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the the concept breaks down really simply. If you know enough to know you're being treated like shit, then you know too much. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, And you also consider the misconception of the fact that this country teaches that everybody has an equal and valid opinion. And while everybody is entitled to an opinion, the First Amendment doesn't protect you from being called out on your bullshit. And it doesn't mean that just because you looked in a telescope once, you can go up to Neil deGrasse Tyson and go, you're full of shit. <laughs> there goes my Saturday. 
Ah. <laughs> and Trumps. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's see. Uh, where sh- where else should we take this? I mean, we have so many different uh, different things that we could go with. But you know what? We have other things that we could go with with the show. There's actual events, current events that are. Uh, they're, they're wanting to be spoken of. And I had one that it, it didn't actually fit into any of the other segments. And that's uh, the House Oversight Committee today closed its investigation into the Flint, Michigan drinking water issue, uh, concluding that it was a failure at, of government at all levels. And that caused and exacerbated the catastrophe. It was quietly closed. You haven't heard about this a whole lot, probably, no. unless you happen so it, to be a progressive in other words, and in the bubble, I guess. They, of, they used the tactic of diffusion of responsibility. Everyone was responsible, so no one's responsible. Mm. That, that, that sounds painfully correct. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you could look at it that way. and I mean, the way I looked at it was they closed it based on the no-shit criteria. Of course it was a failure. Every story that came out of there said it was a failure. We've been talking about how it was a failure for how many shows now? Since, it, since it came out every week. Here's my problem. Usually when you have governmental failures, there's a th- thorough investigation and then recommended prosecution. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Except I'm- in the case where the GOP is leading the charge. Uh, Governor Snyder appreciates the committee's work and for referring recommendations for policy changes to the appropriate committees. He is a strong proponent of revising the federal lead and copper rule and has been working with the Mark Edwards and Virginia with Mark Edwards and of Virginia Tech. Yeah, I can talk to see those reforms through the legislative process. So that we don't have to ever solve this problem. The pro- there doesn't need to be reforms. Yeah. You don't use lead piping anymore, and you replace them if you have them. They're not going to do that. Uh, Shavitz uh, made a number of recommendations to prevent future crises like Flint's. He asked that the Appropriations Committee consider reducing the $279.8 million that the EPA under Obama requested for addressing climate change and remove the requirement that federally funded drinking water construction projects pay prevailing wages under the Davis-Bacon Act. Wow. If you don't want people to be pissed off about drinking lead water, make them so stupid that they don't know what lead water is. Everybody wins. They just have to drink more lead water. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just, just let the lead sink in. Yeah. And be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Shavitz also hey, asked the Energy and Commerce Committee to order an investigation into why it's taking the EPA so long to update its regulation on lead levels in water, and to consider whether water utilities notification requirements for contamination need to be strengthened. Doesn't that just kind of completely miss the point of all of this? When well, the, yeah. when the is a king at missing the point. When the <laughs> EPA actually has restrictions in, put in place... Which that, they're, they're currently breaking. ...that do keep people safe that they blew away a long time ago. <laughs> they want them loosened even further for everyone, not just for Flint? Well, the EPA is getting gutted. That's something that's going to be happening in 2016. Every department's being gutted. We're seeing nominees who have yeah. stated before, I want to dismantle this government agency. Oh, great. We'll put you in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I had this discussion on Facebook with somebody else who that person was super pro Trump. And so I, I described to them what essentially I felt the, was going to happen in the world under Trump. And the response back was, boy, you're just full of Christmas spirit, aren't you? It, it has nothing to do with Christmas spirit. So it's I described how not wanting to so die. I described the appointee thing and said, Merry Christmas. Everything's Doug, getting gutted. Doug, yeah. You're handing out the gift of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> That it is. Okay. And head to desk concussions. Oh. Well, well he yeah. completely sidestepped the conversation after that, so I I don't think I got through it. Anyway. Well, that seems to be what even these people did here. I'm not seeing anybody being... Th- Again. This, There's nothing this is to something do. That... Yeah. There's no the, remediation the... in process. Yeah, it was a failure. Okay, we knew it was a failure. Now what are you going to do about it? The... We're going to diffuse responsibility so that nobody has to take responsibility because of Jesus. As we have seen, and and it's the current trend, the good news is they came out with this ruling. Mm. So this can be cited when the lawsuits come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because that's how stuff gets solved now. We don't do it through our regular sources of government. It's through the courts. Um, Because lobbying as a grassroots movement doesn't work unless you vote somebody out of office. Um, and right now there's so much dark money, that's even harder to do. So it's going to come through law. It's going to come through the courts. So the good news is we have this ruling, we have this investigation, so now that can be cited when the lawsuits come, and prosecution may actually happen, but it's probably not going to be at the criminal level. It's going to be at the civil level. Yeah, it's going to be a civil suit, so it's not going to be... People aren't going to do jail time over this. It's no. going to be the city of, or the state of Michigan versus the people of Flint, Michigan. Yeah, yes. but the advantage of that is yeah. it's civil, which doesn't require you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, and also it means you're hitting them directly in the pocketbook, which means they're going to start <laughs> paying attention. But it's in in a situation like this, it's a double edged sword well, because because you're hitting the the state of Michigan in the pocketbook, they're not going to devote the funds to fixing it. Which they're never going to devote the funds to fixing it. So they're, they are in catch-22. This is interesting. So, for everybody. So um, just reading, reading further. Um, Representative uh, Elijah Cummings, uh, uh, the top Democrat on the panel, did not sign on to Shabbat's letter despite uh, Democrats' participation in the probe. A spokesman for Cummings castigated Chavitz for closing the investigation before the panel had all the information it requested from uh, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder. Quote, there was bipartisan frustration with Governor Snyder's obstruction just a few days ago, so it's inexplicable that Chairman Chavez would now suddenly reverse himself and rush to close down the investigation instead of issuing a subpoena to compel the governor to produce the documents the chairman himself requested. This does a real disservice to the families of Flint. Yeah, of course it does. Oh, yeah. So it it was quietly shut down. Yeah. He reversed something. I mean, I don't I hate to put on the tinfoil turban, you know, but really it it sounds an awful lot like there was pressure to make it all go away. Well, we're already seeing from the president-elect's office when it comes to any 
thing about climate change or private industry screwing up, it's going to be swept under the rug. Yeah, but this was yeah. neither climate change nor private industry screwing up. This was a government agency screwing up. You'd think that he'd be all was, over it. But it was, it was the right party. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that party, and, and in their doctrine, and in their, their belief structure, there is no such thing as personal accountability because Jesus wipes away all sins. <laughs> I don't think it goes that far when oh, you're it goes that deep. We're talking about sure Trump. It yeah, uh, yeah. For him, it doesn't go that far because for, yeah, for Trump, it doesn't go that far. But when you get down to the the lower echelons of it, oh yeah, uh, I, I, I attribute it to some, not the entire party. The people that he uh, needs to stay in office, yeah, it works for them. But so, yeah. Bad uh, news is with the civil lawsuit, it's the bad news is twofold. One, the citizens of Michigan are on the hook for this. Oh, yeah. They're the ones paying it out. And I don't yeah. see the, the local government uh, and even the state government, which is primarily Republican, um, being bothered by the payout. No. Well, they're currently they, being bothered by having to give everyone, you know, pallet loads of, uh, of bottled water. Yeah, they're trying to stop that. Yeah. They're, 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 oh, yeah. they're trying to stop the spending, but they're not really bothered by losing the lawsuit. That's just the price of business. They don't I mean, mind that it's going to cost them $100 tomorrow to stop to save five nickels today. Because then it goes away, and they don't have to worry about it anymore. But it goes away if you permanently fix the issue by replacing the pipes that are full of lead. Right. No, it's it's a matter of <laughs> waiting for the people to die. That's that's an alternative. And or, or move. Flint, Michigan is dead. Except that's the problem. Is I remember seeing an article, and I think you linked this to me as well. It's the fact of the people in Flint, Michigan can't, by law, sell their houses because of the lead contamination. Mm, yeah. Yep. Son They're waiting for bitch. these people to die. Yeah, they legally so as- cannot sell them. So as mm-hmm. as they die, the families of the victims then line up to sue the city of Flint and the state of Michigan. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's, but... it's the price of business. It's going to cost them billions. So the so the parents so the parents business. die. Yeah. The parents die, then the children that have been damaged by the lead then become wards of the state. The houses, the property then also becomes state property. It just reverts back to the state. I mean, wow. I mean, we're we're steadily moving towards RoboCop. Then they go in, clean all up themselves, and then convert it into high value real estate and gentrify the whole area. No, it's not going to be cleaned up because the damage uh, is too deep. Well, no, uh, eventually it up would, would be too much of an undertaking. No, it's, it's just going to be a dead place on the map. <clears throat> Possibly what ghost I, ghost town. What yeah. I wanted to say about the the lawsuit is yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, that definitely could happen and and it might, but coming from a position of somebody who doesn't have a lot of money and who, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of resources at their disposal, when you're poor and when you have to figure out how to get a lawyer and go after an entire state or an entity that is much more powerful than you are and has access to way more resources than you ever will – 
that is a really daunting concept. And I, I don't know that you could get a significant number of them to do that because it's just, it's, it's been hammered into people like that and, and like me so, so many times that there's nothing you can do. It's this pervasive feeling of hopelessness that you will never, ever be able to get any type of justice for what has happened to you or what has happened to your family because they'll keep it tied up in court forever and ever. And you'll run out of money before they do. The good news. What you'll end up with in that scenario is a group of lawyers, hopefully good, possibly bad, that want to come in and they know that if they fight that battle and win that battle, they will get paid. Now – they won't care as much whether or not the citizens get paid, but it's a nice big shiny star on their record and a nice big fat check in their pocketbook. So, you know, it, I, I get where you're coming from, Amber, but I think that what you also have is a group of people that are convincing these citizens, we will get you some money. Don't you worry about that. Oh, yeah. The, the, the vultures will value. show up. I, again, all it takes is one. one law group that's going oh we can win this we, we and, can make an entire and, career of winning this and, yeah, you don't even need a law group guys we could win this <laughs> actually riz just brought up a good point go ahead with that um do, do any of you guys know about centralia pennsylvania oh, yeah. yes mm-hmm. the silent so, hill the real game yes yeah. <laughs> i i live about an hour from there and i've been there many times but for those who don't know the story it was evacuated slowly after an anthracite coal mine caught on fire and it's been burning for 40 years. Mm-hmm. They're going to do to Flint what they did to Centralia. They're going to pay people off a small amount for their houses, demolish them as they leave, and then just smooth the whole thing over one day. And they can and will get away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Except that there might be one small thing you're missing there is the fact that I honestly don't think they will pay anybody a damn thing because they will be able to litigate their way out of it. We'll say, or there's well, a threat of litigation. They'll, they'll pose it under the threat, I mean, not under the threat, they'll pose under the threat of being kind to those people and pushing the problem away, just like they did with the people in Centralia. And there'll yeah. be some holdouts who then people look as, why don't they just leave? It's stupid. There's still seven people living in that town. They don't even have a post office anymore, but they're going to let them live there until they're gone, which at the age of most of them won't be much longer. Then they'll demolish the rest of the houses and pretend it never existed. Well, what they can do is they can enact eminent domain <laughs> and give them fair market value for the home, since they're Which is the about state, three fifty. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's about right. About three fifty. Yeah, because um, of the lake yeah. contamination in the area. Right, and there probably is a Loch Ness monster there. So there, there will be, there will be later, but it'll be doofy because of the lead poisoning. So oh. with um, it drools a lot. Yeah, Loch Ness. Yeah, special needs Loch Ness monster. Oh man, I want that sci-fi movie. No. <laughs> Shh, sci-fi. No, he didn't say anything. We don't need that movie. Copyright. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with um, yeah, so so they'll they'll just enact eminent domain since they cannot legally sell their houses to anything else, their their property, anything else because of the land contamination. Then the state can do it because well, they're the ones that make the rules. So yeah. they're the only ones that can legitimately offer them anything anyway. So, and I mean, consider how long this has been going on as well, and how little has been done to address it, and who yeah. our new president-elect is. I, I, 
I don't see it ending any other way. That's part of my challenge to it as well, is the fact that if we had gotten somebody like Hillary, or better yet, Bernie, Bernie. in there, yeah, you would have seen it being taken care of and probably things done right by those people. But given who's in there now and who's in control of the House and the Senate and will and ever so likely be in control of the Supreme Court, yeah, I don't see that happening. Well, there have been, nope. relief, yeah. bill, there have been relief bills that have tried to go through, and they've all been shot down, of course. Mm-hmm. So, Again, there, yeah. there is enough interest involved in just making this quietly disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it will. So predictions are that they end up with a with a tidy sum, a check, and a and a bus ticket, you know, out of Flint. Get the out tidy of tidy sum will be the bus ticket. Well it That's what they're <laughs> gonna exactly, get. Exactly. Exactly. It'll be a few twenties slipped in with the with the bus ticket and it's like get on out of here. We're gonna we're coming in with the bulldozers th- uh, you know on Thursday. You know. Eminent domain, you have to leave. You are now evicted by the state. See ya. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it will eventually evolve into kind of like the new mesothelioma. Did you live in Flint, Michigan? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be hearing commercials from call us for lead poisoning. We want to help you with class action lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah, CG Wentworth. That... Oh, no, God. I, CG Wentworth. Oh. <laughs> but yep. 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 Again, this is going to be a. A horrible story that will get its own footnote in the mystery in the history books decades down the line yeah but given our our new president it may be just like a footnote mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to all the other hellish shit that goes down decades down the line this is going to get <laughs> at least one paragraph um yeah right along but, with smallpox blankets things like that yeah yeah no, no big deal and on that I think it's time to wrap this portion of the show. <laughs> okay, so if you've enjoyed what we've done here tonight, you can help us out. There, uh, there are a few ways. You can donate to the show through patreon.com slash radio and get early access to show content when I remember and have the time to do that. Also, uh, reviews on iTunes will definitely help gain audience for the show and spread the word about us. And of course, in spreading the word, how about you just do that? Tell other people that you like the show and that they ought to listen, because we do talk about some interesting things. I mean, come on, come on. You got to admit that, right? And of course, engage us. Send us a message on the social medias or the electronic mail at a really radio podcast at gmail.com. Or if they're more talkative sort, we've got that voice line at 470-222-ORLY. That's 6759. And it's always ready to take your call or your text. Thank you for choosing to waste your valuable time with us. This has been O'Reilly Radio, part of the Random Acts Company. This work is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3 United States license, with the exception of the music created by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com, who holds the copyright thereto.